Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? Not much, bro. I'm feeling good. How are you? Feeling good, man. I'm tired. I'm tired. It's the de the deficit's hitting me. Yeah, I can feel it. The end is near. You're two and a half weeks out from competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a half weeks out. I'm down six sixteen pounds since the beginning of the cut. Yeah, that's exactly right. Sixteen pounds, which is pretty crazy, man. I was I was pretty fluffy. <laughs> 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 I was pretty fluffy. I was like, man, 16 pounds. And I still like, I'm not like outrageously lean at all. So you mean, you mean by like magazine or like Correct. shirtless beach standards, like looking at your face and your body and clothes, you look substantially like good and lean. Yeah. No, I like from a health perspective, great, like performance perspective, great. But even like compared to like when I was competitively powerlifting, like I was lean year round. I was probably like between like, depending on the time of year, between eight to 12% body fat all year round. Um, now it's like, I'm just nowhere near that, but feel great. I'm good. So definitely on more like from the, I think from like the fitness physique magazine type of perspective or yeah, not, not lean at all, but like from a health perspective, yeah, I'm great. But 16 pounds is considerable, especially on a guy, my, my frame. Yeah. 10% of your body weight. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, man. So feeling good, man. Feeling good. How about you? What's going on? How's your training? I had an all-time, all-time workout this morning. Really? Like 2013 style all-time. Like sort of anger-fueled kind of. <laughs> like like last night had way too much steak and gnocchi for dinner and woke up not hungry at all. So had a little caffeine, got like 30 ounces of water in me doing emails and then still not hungry. And I haven't trained fasted in a while. Um, but I just got a nice fresh new tub of the Martin Burkhan sponsored purple wrath here, <laughs> here in Bloomington, Minnesota. And, uh, and took a full scoop of that, which is just BCAs for anyone listening. But it, it also has, uh, purple wrath has like beta alanine in there. And yeah, I was going to say a, a lot of pre-workouts don't have the minimal effective dosage of beta alanine. So when you, you know, take a full scoop of this with a little bit of pre-workout and yeah, it was just a really good, angry M&M &M driven eight exercise, like random pull day. Do you, do you get itchy when you take beta alanine? Not anymore. I mean, really? like mildly maybe, but no, not like the first you know, 10 times I ever had pre-workout where my, my forearms and like face, like actually itched. Yeah. 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 Eminem is the best workout music by far. If, like, if dude, this, we talked about this recently, if for, for the best workouts and in my experience, the best workouts are driven by anger. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. It, it might not be the best life strategy, but for like <laughs> within that hour, having the most high quality training session. Yeah. It yeah. felt great. And, you know, obviously fasted training for performance, like if you're trying to build muscle, it's, is, is technically suboptimal, but I, I like the psychological feeling like the, like the hungry lion training feeling, especially because I just wasn't hungry this morning, but it's a, it's a different full body feeling training fasted even than having a scoop of protein powder for me before a workout. So felt real good. That's awesome, man. You think that steak and gnocchi is going to be a staple now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love that. Uh, we, we don't usually eat like that. My, my mom and, and girlfriend handmade gnocchi last night and my dad went and picked us up some like really nice steaks and Jeez. grilled those while I just watch football like a complete bum and and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah so it they was, handmade gnocchi yeah it was uh they went to a cooking class together the two of them and um learned how to make like hand make this different kinds of gnocchi and there was a fall like pumpkin slash squash kind of flavor oh man yeah it was that really, sounds incredible and so really wish i was invited 
I'm sorry, Jordan. I wish you were invited too. But the best part was before falling asleep at halftime of the Sunday night football game, I went into the fridge and just ate all of what was left over of the gnocchi. Like not hungry at all, but just pounded it before bed. Woke up feeling like not hungry. Did the Vikings play? Oh yeah, we're terrible. Absolutely. Are we're, you? Yeah, we could get the number one pick in the draft. Like, or you like might I, be the I worst. I think Owen sixteen is a real possibility. No, not n- not actually, but yes, compared to preseason expectations. And I know people don't want to hear about the Minnesota Vikings roster, but we're in we're in real trouble. We lost our entire defensive line. We lost our starting three cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, we're we're bad. I'm sorry, dude. That sucks. It's okay. When you're really, really bad, then you get a good draft pick the next year, and and that brings hope and promise. So there's always something to look forward to. (laughs) I've I've heard Gary is upset this year, too. He's just been super disappointed. Not, yeah, he's not pleased. Not good. I I told him what you and I spoke about when he posted that, like, I think it was like, fuck everything was he, yeah, he, he posted. Yeah, he literally took a selfie and said, fuck everything. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and someone commented and was like, in a good way or like, or in a bad way? <laughs> Just because it was so inconsistent with everything he posts. Yeah. He, he got a kick out of that's that. That's the one thing that if I didn't, because I like don't watch football or really sports except for MMA at all. If I didn't know him and I saw that come up, I'd be like, that's really odd. Like, are you like, what okay? a weird thing for him to post. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in a good way. It's so funny because there are always people who are excited to explain in the comments why he's upset. So like there's that person who's like, wait, it, what, what's going on? And there's always someone who's like knows why he's upset and they're super excited to be like, oh, it's the Jets. He's a Jets fan. They suck. <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of that community. What do we got for today, man? We got some questions. Q&As have been doing well. People liking the Q&As. Yeah. And and we still have so many good questions. So I I picked out a bunch of them and we're going to keep keep knocking through this list. So, question 1, do you have to be super fit to be a personal trainer? It's a great question. What do you think, Mike? You want to take that one to start with? Uh given that it's a yes or no question, I'll I'll start just by giving the answer, which is no. You do not need to be super fit to be a personal trainer. You actually don't need to be fit at all to be a personal trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Technically speaking, um, you know, you, you you could be one of the best uh, from a from a knowledge perspective, from a biomechanics perspective. Um, you can have all of the knowledge and be an unbelievable coach without embodying any of those principles yourself. Um, and, and by the way, let's, let's make a designation between super fit, um, kind of like normally in shape, because the question was, do you have to be super fit? Uh, and, and then out of shape, we'll call it. Um, you definitely do not have to be super fit. The only benefit that comes from being in shape as a coach or or being super fit, I should say, is the the little bit of marketing that that gets you, right? There's a certain subset of the population who is only going to work with someone who they aspire to look like, which is kind of silly because, you know, we can't look like other people. We can only look like better and worse versions of ourselves. But um, I've had experiences where dudes primarily sign up wanting to get my physique or do my workout to look like me. Um, that's a, that's an overwhelming minority of people who sign up and, uh, and outside of that benefit, no, you can be an amazing coach and and not be super fit. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a good conversation to have though. It's like, yeah, you can be, but I think a lot of people nowadays, like they, they use that as justification to not try at all. It, it's sort of like when I was competitively powerlifting, this question came up a lot in terms of, do you need to be strong in order to be a strength coach? Right. Mm-hmm. And 
it was a debate I got in a lot. And for me, the answer was always like, no, you don't need to be strong in order to be a strength coach, but being very strong or at least being strong will give you a massive advantage from your clients. Your clients will benefit because you can know all of the science, you can know all the biomechanics, you can know all the leverages, you can know all the technique, but if you've never walked up to a heavy loaded bar and you've never gone through the experience of trying to get stronger mentally, mm. you won't have that understanding that your clients, what they're going through, and you won't be able to help them as much as you could if you've never been through it. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing goes for for coaching. Like, Do you need to be as lean as a model on like men's fitness or women's fitness magazine? No, of course not. Absolutely. Like, I'm not at all. I'm nowhere near that. I'm like 17, 18% body fat, but it will benefit your clients dramatically. If you've at least gone through the process of prioritizing your own health, prioritizing your own fitness, uh, doing your best to maintain a healthy body fat percentage. And again, I, I don't think that anyone stepping on a bodybuilding stage is at a healthy body fat percentage. Like that's not healthy. That's, that's unhealthy to the other end of the extreme, mm -hmm. but putting in the work to maintain a healthy body fat percentage, to work out consistently, to eat, eat well overall, for, take aside the, the marketing aspect of it and sort of like the practicing what you preach aspect of it. Just only focus on the benefit that your clients will have because you understand the mental side of it is dramatic. And it, it's significant enough to the point where you will be a better coach simply because you live it and you actually do it. It's like even me just going through this cut right now, like there are things that I've remembered about foods to eat that will fill me up for fewer calories that I forgot about because I hadn't done a cut in a while, mm -hmm. right? It's like there, these are all things that you learn through practice. So if you're not practicing what you preach, you could still be a great coach, but I don't even think that the question is, can you be a great coach? The question is, can you be better than you are today? Can you be a better coach than you are? And if you want to be better than always trying to improve, will help you and your clients. Yeah, there's there's something that you learn through doing that you can't fully comprehend or can't deeply understand by knowing through a book. Right? Like Correct. you you can know the compilation of every relevant fact in an entire industry. Let's just say photographic memory, read every single book, like you you technically have all of the knowledge. Um you learn things in another way and on another level by doing them. So I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there's also like a top of mindness or or like relevancy, which kind of goes to the what the example you just gave with food choices when you're actually in a cut yourself. Um, you know, when you're training for a specific goal and eating for a specific goal, you you're more immersed in the same things that your clients are going through, which makes you not just more relatable, but maybe it's more interested, more um, understanding on an emotional level. You're, you're more in the game with them so you can better lead them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. So yeah, in short, to answer your question, no, you don't need to be super fit. You don't need to be, and I think sort of by super fit, we'll pull out the physique competitor, bodybuilding, uh, powerlifting, uh, strongman competitor, any type. You don't need to be that level fit, uh, but it will benefit you to be fit at some level to show that you are practicing what you preach. Next up, how to gain online clients through social media. This is kind of a kind of a broad one, but. I feel like a fun one. I'm, I'm going to go back. I have to, I have to go back to what we were talking about before. Cause something else just popped into my mind. I love um, it. the, the other thing that I wanted to say on this is it doesn't mean that you have to wait until you're fit to be a coach. Correct. Right. So like, let's say you're, you're just starting out as a coach and you're not as fit as you'd like to be. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't start coaching people. Like start coaching people with where you're at now and then also use what you're going through as an opportunity to help coach and teach other people. So as you're going through your process of, of becoming more fit and becoming healthier and achieving your goals, you can coach people and become a better coach while you're also going through it yourself. So you don't have to wait until you're fit to be a coach, but I would definitely 
I would, I would start now with wherever you're at. And then ideally, as you become a better coach, you'll also be more fit yourself. Yeah. That's, that's a great distinction. Um, yeah, it, if you think about it in terms of who can you help, you can help a a tremendous number of people with where you are right now. And by waiting until you're 10 pounds, 15 pounds leaner, or you're 25 pounds, 30 pounds stronger, whatever like the mental roadblock is right now, you're just delaying helping those people. So continue on the goal you're on, but simultaneously jump in and and start coaching, start making content, start helping people. Yep. Sorry, I just had to throw that one in there. I love it. I love it. Uh, How to gain online clients through social media. So I'll, I'll give a one sentence answer to start and just kick things off. Uh, make content on social media native to the platform that helps people with their fitness goals and ideally people who you want to work with. Meaning if you're not interested in, uh, you know, coaching powerlifters, don't make content around how to take your one rep max deadlift from 500 to 600. Yeah. I would say if I'm going to say this in as few words as possible, it would literally just be make content that helps people. That's it. That's literally it. And it's like, don't overthink it. I I, I think an interesting point to talk about, which I know we've spoken about before is the sort of the niche topic, like finding your niche and people way overcomplicate this in so many different ways. Like, Oh, well, you know, I want to work with, uh, entrepreneurs, only entrepreneurs. It's like, what, what is wrong with you? What you're only going to target on like, that's, it's not necessarily a bad goal. I just think it's, if you're starting out with zero clients, I think it's a bad goal. (laughs) You're what you're doing is you're taking a massive market of which you can help a, a very high percentage of those people and you're narrowing your market by the number of people who are entrepreneurs out of the entire population of people you could help. You're basically eliminating 99% of the people you could help Yeah, for, for no good reason. Yeah. I think a, a better classification would be, I want to help busy people, right? It's like, I want to help people who don't have a lot of time and don't know necessarily what they're doing, (laughs) which is literally everybody. It's everybody. It's like, why does it matter if they're an entrepreneur or if they're a single mother? It's like, doesn't matter. Like help them. They're both super busy Yeah, (laughs) and they need your help. Um, And I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, I want to work with, I need to figure out who I want to work with. I need to figure out their age. I need to figure out their gender. I need to figure out what, uh, what podcast they listen to. I need to figure out like what pages of the newspapers they really spend the majority of their time on, who their favorite song artists are. It's like, what are, what are you doing? Like a lot of like, uh, business coaches or academies are like, all right, you need to find your avatar and you need to find like exactly the person that you're, no, you don't like people want to learn how to eat to achieve their goals. They want to learn what exercises and what workouts to do to achieve their goals. It's like, that's everybody. And and if you want to work with a specific, I would say, athletic population, that becomes one of the instances in which, okay, I, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll break it down like this. The three main fitness goals, you have aesthetics, like how you look, losing body fat, building muscle. Uh, this one one possibility. The another possibility is pain reduction, right? So if someone has like pain or joint issues, whatever, that's another. And then athletic performance. So whatever sport you're doing. So I would say if you want to find your niche, figure out which one of those you want to target. If you're more of a physical therapist, then cool. Then target more pain, movement, that type of content. If you want to do more athletics, then figure out what type of either, if you want to focus on one specific type of sport, whether it's football, soccer, MMA, baseball, whatever, 
Or if it's overall athletic development and you want to say, okay, here's how you're going to improve rate of force development. Here's how you're going to eat to, f- to fuel your performance. Here's the type of conditioning, whatever it is. And then the other one would be aesthetics, which is you're going to have to do, you know, nutrition for fat loss, strength training, and all this, like you're going to have all of that. But figure out wh- one of those three and make content that helps people for one of those three on a consistent basis. And that if someone's looking for fat loss or muscle gain, they'll find you. If someone's looking for pain reduction, they'll find you. If someone's looking for uh, athletic performance, they'll find you. But those those are the three major ones to really figure out what your what your niche is and from there you just make content and that's that's it yeah and when you are picking one of those three or when you are picking any kind of category for a quote unquote target which which should be quite broad like like those three were don't pick that category based on where you see opportunity or where you see dollars, right? Don't pick it based on um, 40 to 50 year old businessmen because they can pay for high ticket and that way I can make X dollars. (laughs) Like don't, that's, that's the wrong way to think about it for a number of reasons, but rather than thinking about it based on opportunity, think about picking the type of person you want to work with based on one, what you're interested in and two, what you're good at or plan on getting good at, right? Because if you're picking it based on something you don't want to be doing, just because you think there is money there, you will not last. You will absolutely burn out. Um, even if in the short run you do okay because there there was quote unquote like a, a better market opportunity or there, some arbitrage there where there was an excess of demand compared to supply in that area, you're not going to last because you're not going to last and you're not going to enjoy it. So that's what that's why it's important to pick the types of people you want to help the the types of goals that those people will have based on what you're interested in, what you enjoy and and what you're competent in. Someone recently asked me on Instagram during one of my Q&As, she was like, "Why should I be giving away so much content for free?" And it's a sort of a next logical question in this discussion. And I, I sent a voice memo back and I was like, well, listen, number one is everything that people could learn about whatever it is you're going to teach them, they could find it somewhere else. Everything. There is not one thing that you can teach people that isn't freely available on Google, on Instagram, on Facebook, on websites, it's just on YouTube. Everything that you could possibly teach them is available for free by somebody else. So either you make free content and they find you and then they end up trusting you and invest in your program or they find it from someone else. So it's really a no brainer. It's like either they're going to find it from you or they're going to go on Google and find somebody else. Or someone's going to say, go follow someone else on Instagram or go follow someone else on YouTube or go look at someone else's website or, oh my God, sign up for this person's email list. Their emails are so good. So it's either you or somebody else and that's it. And if you, if you're the kind of person who's like, oh, well, I deserve to be charging for, I'm not going to give all the way my content away for free. It's like, well, then you are never going to succeed because pe- pe- you're never going to get people to trust you. you enough to buy you. Not only trust you enough, but they're not going to find you. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Right? It's it's called content marketing. You're giving away free, helpful information, entertainment, whatever you're giving away, but you're giving it away for free to bring more eyeballs to you so that you can like that's what jab, 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 right hook is give, 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 and then ask. Um, or or even sometimes without the sale, you're going to have people who, who want to sign up with you, who want to give you money, even, even without you hard selling. But yeah, that's, uh, I feel like that is becoming a less common question. Like, why should I give it away for free? But I could be wrong on that. I think it is becoming less common it's still very much there. I think, I think some people might make, I don't know, 12 pieces of content and then say, okay, well, I've given enough now. It's like, all right, no, you haven't. And I, I just don't think they, they know enough. I don't think they've done it for long enough to understand the benefit of it. Cause I don't know anyone who's very successful, who gets really like nitty gritty with what they're giving away for free. Like nobody I know who's very successful is like, well, I don't know if I want to give this away for free or not because it's really, it's my thing and I'm really good. And it's like everyone I know who's super successful is like, oh yeah, we'll give it away for free. No problem. Because they know the benefit will be massive if they give it away for free. And like, it's not a big deal. 
but it's always the people who are like struggling with their business to who are often the ones like, I don't know if I should give this away for free. It's like, I think that's part of the learning process is what you'll realize is the more you give away for free, the better you'll end up doing because people will trust you more. That's really the the game. It's, we're in the trust game. It's like, that's it. Mm-hmm. How How many people trust you? Mm-hmm. The more people who trust you, the more customers you're going to have. Mm-hmm. That, that's really it. And if you don't give them a reason to trust you, the fewer customers you're going to have. That's really it. And, and your content is a reason for them to trust you. Well said. I don't have anything else on that one. That's a good question. Number three, how do you get over camera shyness and listening to how your own voice actually sounds? Oh, man. You just do. (laughs) If (laughs) if anyone who, so the first thing I'll say is do it fast because the first few times you're doing anything new that's uncomfortable, like maybe you, maybe you wanted to make a YouTube video and you filmed yourself and, and you're, you're new to this process and you didn't like how your voice sounds and you don't want to upload it. There's not going to come a day in the next week or month or year where you want to upload that. Like you're going to be uncomfortable with it until you do it. If you look at the very first videos that I put out or the very first videos that Jordan put out, they're they're clunkier, they're awkward, the audio's not good. Like we're probably maybe slightly embarrassed looking, like weird on camera. Um, but you you get over it and you get better. But the 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 key here is speed, like getting over that hurdle sooner than later because. The faster you do it, the faster you're going to start getting more comfortable. Yeah. I don't even know if I should add anything else. That's, it's perfect. If you want, go to Mike's YouTube channel and my YouTube channel and then click the button that goes like the oldest, newest, and most popular. Just like click the oldest videos first. So you see our, our oldest videos come up first. Just watch a couple seconds of both of our oldest videos and you'll very quickly see how awkward both of us looked and... um. I'm pretty sure there's a couple videos with Mike shirtless that you probably want to go watch and uh, definitely a couple videos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I remember for me, like I was red in the face, bright red in the face, super awkward in my my college gym, weights being dropped and just like the audio is terrible and I was moving side to side. Just, you know, it was, uh, it's just, you just get used to it and you get better with practice. Sort of like, I would imagine sort of the same thing your clients would say, well, how do you get used to the nerves of going into the gym? It's like, you you go into the gym. It was really hard for me not to say the F word there. You go into the gym, (laughs) (laughs) you walk in and the more you do it, the more confident you'll get. And that's it. That's the same thing with literally anything you do, whether it's podcast or articles or, uh, or, Info. I mean, go look at my first infographics. My first infographics were terribly designed. It was like they were awful. They were hard to read, but it was the first one I ever did, and they still did well. And then they got better and better and better the more I did them. Same thing with any type of content or any skill. It takes practice, and and you're only going to get better by doing it. So, put something out there. Also, address it if you want to. Be like, I I feel awkward, and 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 mention that in the video, and then power through, and and people will respect it. Yeah. And for whatever it's worth, I still don't like hearing my own voice, like hearing my own voice when I was like, oh God, I sound so nasally. Like what's like every time. Really? You might not. Yeah. 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 And to, in my, to, in all fairness, I have poorly developed sinuses. That's what I was told when I had an MRI. So when you had had a sinus infection that lasted two and a half years. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's hard to go to the doctor when you're coaching Gary. Like when you're traveling, like it's, it's hard. You're going all over the place. You're traveling. I'm posting three times a day on Instagram. When did I have time to go to the doctor? So eventually I went to the doctor and I'm like, wow, you have the worst sinus infection I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I got another, I got another angle on this question that I had thought about when I initially selected it, but we, Jordan and I had a lot of work for the mentorship last week. So we ended up having to take the the week off with the podcast. But I remember one of the other reasons I picked this question was if, if you set aside the negative here, right? And the negative is you're embarrassed of what you sound like, you're shy, you think you look awkward, you think you sound weird, like 
put that all in a bucket and compare it with the the positive or the upside, which is you get to help people. You get to grow a business that gives you, you know, freedom and financial independence. You get to do what you actually want to be doing for work rather than doing what someone else tells you. When you compare the potential upside with the potential downside, it's not even close. Yeah. Right? Like like put those two on a on a on a balancing I don't know what those things are actually called, but it, it's it's an absolute <laughs> no-brainer. The the possible upside that will come from pushing through the discomfort and getting started now. So do it. Do it. All right, I picked a fun one. And we can hit this from any angle. And this might not be actually I would guess this isn't gonna be fun for you, but I Oh, like you it. picked a fun one for you. <laughs> <laughs> actually you're not gonna like this one <laughs> no you might but you just might think it's more boring than me okay what what is your favorite carbohydrate source oh yeah this is definitely a you question <laughs> definitely start a you a, question start us out big j <laughs> so i was thinking we could break it down by uh pure enjoyment and okay. then we can throw in like a like a health slash how it makes you feel. Okay. And then we could throw in a third option for uh, satiety and like for fat loss. What are you going to pick? Yeah, I think those are great. Can I guess what yours would be for pure enjoyment? <laughs> you may. Ice cream? I would not say that just because- The fat content? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Jelly? Yeah. A, a plain bagel with jelly is like- right there like that that was my go-to and maybe some low-fat cream cheese on there if we're gonna maximize taste and add a tiny bit of fat yeah yeah can i guess your favorite yeah yeah cinnamon toast crunch that wouldn't have it's interesting so after i guessed ice cream i had to change mine because i wasn't considering the fat content so and you were I, gonna say pizza i was gonna say pizza yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way i should have mentioned this I had like three quarters of a Papa John's pizza on Saturday for the first, that's like a twice a really? year thing that I do. Yeah, do you, it was I've out. known you for years. I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. This is something I do twice a year. Three watch quarters watch like John's. eight episodes of a TV show and eat like half a pizza to three quarters and just sleep 11 hours at night. What kind of pizza? It was a build your own. It was uh, from Papa John's. I get pepperoni and green pepper, and then they give you this garlic butter that I oh, dipped nice. it in. That was just unnecessary and like <laughs> heart attack inducing, but delicious. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pizza would if I mean I'm going to take the fat content out of it because I'm more of a calories protein guy, right? So okay, you're right. more the macros guy. So uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll say pizza is my favorite carb, even though there's clearly a lot of fat on it. Okay, that's fair. How about your favorite carb for health and how you feel? That's a good question. For health and how I feel, my favorite carb would probably be oatmeal. Ah, oatmeal over watermelon. Yeah, because too much watermelon, which I do on a pretty regular basis, like leads to not the most uh, high quality poops, a little bit runny right? Won't go too much more in detail, but oatmeal makes me super regular, uh, and fills me up and I feel good on it. I like feel really good on it. Great, great quality. Um, it's easy to make super convenient. Like it's overall, I just, I like that carb a lot. Beautiful. And, and then lastly, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget our third category if I don't ask you first. And lastly, for satiety, for fat loss, do you have a favorite? Oh, carb? Oh man. Honestly, I would, Shoot, it's the o same oatmeal? one. Oatmeal, okay. yeah, oatmeal. That's which is interesting because some people say oatmeal doesn't fill them up, but for me, oatmeal, like oatmeal and eggs, is my go-to breakfast for like protein and satiety for sure. Mm, that's a good one. And I have found that making the oatmeal, like you can just make it a little bit runnier and make it higher volume, and that can help more with satiety for people yeah. who might not think or might not get very full from oatmeal. Also with almond milk as opposed to water. You used almond milk makes it more thick for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Delicious. Uh, okay. So bagel and jelly slash possibly frozen, like, like a nice pink berry with some mm. fruit on there. That's pretty legit too. I haven't, that was like a 
2015 to 2018 staple. What's what's the fat content in a Pinkberry? Uh, zero in in the zero fat free frozen yogurt. Yeah. Oh, got it, got it, got it. That's yep. nice. Okay. Um, and then the, they have there's a coconut flavored ice cream, like a temporary special that's only out for part of the year at Pinkberry. That's that has a little bit of fat, I believe, but that is outstanding. So this those episode are is not sponsored by Pinkberry, just so you know. But <laughs> Pinkberry, we are open to sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, for for how it makes me feel and health. A banana, really? Bananas just hit the spot. I don't know if it's an electrolyte thing. If it's if it's, I, I might overdo the sodium a little and need some the potassium to kick in. But yeah, I when if I have a a protein shake with a banana, like that's equivalent to like four espressos for me from a productivity perspective. Just dominate work afterwards, feel really good. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I see you eat bananas all the time, but I never knew that it was like, they make you feel super good. Yeah. Probably a six out of 10 on the taste scale for me, but from like a energy perspective, I just feel really good as a result. Bananas and peanut butter are also like, an amazing taste combo. Amazing combo. Agree. And then for satiety, carb, probably a sweet potato. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's perfect. You you put anything on the sweet potato? No. Just straight. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking? There was, there was that delayed response after he said sweet potato is because I was like, man... I've been making content for about nine years now. And for probably the first seven years of making content, I said the word satiety wrong. <laughs> so like in all of like my videos and posts in which I like said the word satiety, I said satiety. And I'm just thinking, man, the vast majority of my content has me saying that word incorrectly. <laughs> Whatever. I say so many words wrong just because the the way that I learn new words is through reading Right, and right, then, yeah. And then if I just try to implement them before having like consciously heard them in conversation, I say them wrong all the time. Like I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've been saying, and I think I'm going to say it wrong, <laughs> turmeric. <laughs> no, I think that's right, turmeric. Okay, I just started saying it like that because I was always saying turmeric. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. We got, we got more fun questions and, and this one we can take from a, from Tumeric. a serious point of view. <laughs> Tumeric. <laughs> trying to think of other words I've mispronounced. There's definitely a lot. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I'm just going to blurt it out randomly when we're talking. What's the next question? Please do. Is pre-workout C4, for example, worth it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I'll, you can take the lead on this one. Um, so the reason C4 is funny is because summer 2016, Mike was, was that the biggest you've ever been? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, the biggest you've ever been. That was when I like first started hanging out with Mike consistently, just huge. Just like scroll down his Instagram. You'll see pictures of him. It was just massive, massive. And uh, you were taking C4 for all your pre-workout and you're like, yeah, C4, I don't know what they put in this thing, but <laughs> there, I wholeheartedly believe that the GNC near Gary's house where we lived for the summer of 2016 was selling C4 that was chock full of every anabolic illegal substance known to man. <laughs> Because that blue raspberry C4 and then the pink lemonade C4, and I don't even like C4. Like, try and be reasonable with artificial sweeteners. No, no, it tastes too good. Oh, got it, got it. Like, it's just Ace K and sucralose, like, just packed with with delicious stuff. So, you know, I've trended. Why don't you like artificial stuff? Is that more because of the gut health or, or what's that about? It's more of a, I'm going to get it from certain things like a diet soda here and there um like uh like in my coffee i'll put a little bit of sweet and low and mm -hmm. so f 
just for moderation overall. No, I'm Got I'm it. not concerned about like I'm not concerned about cancer over the long run. Um, you know, just consistently going high volume artificial sweetener, I'm pretty sure would have adverse effects for my gut health. But yeah, it's more of just a moderation. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's why Jordan laughed about C4. I, I've never been a pre-workout guy up until actually there have been periods in my life and where I was, I would say in high school, when I first started working out, I got uh Gaspari nutrition, super pump Two Fifty, which everyone in the gym, all like the, we had like something called the 6am club. So all the kids would wake up early, go lift at 6am. And we all called it super dump Two Fifty because immediately <laughs> after taking it, we don't have to use the bathroom. Um, How old were you? 14 when I started and mm. I did that like 14 to 17, I think, or so, yeah, so, somewhere around there. Like all of my money that I ever got went straight towards my supplements. Like everything was put right in a GNC and I would go, go to Framingham, write down route 20, go to the GNC and just unload every penny I've ever made onto an <laughs> unbelievable amount of supplements, uh, and which over those few years must've become many thousands of dollars. Uh, so I, pre-workout then. Uh, and then when I started powerlifting and really getting into Westside Barbell and Louis Simmons I actually stopped because Louis was much more about lifting really calm and Zen. And then I got really into Zen lifting and not taking any, any type of pre-workout for a while. And then I, that's just what I've done for years until recently when I started with jujitsu and I started getting like very intense with my training again and super into it. And sometimes having to do two a days, where like, yeah, then I'll, I've started to take some pre-workout or even like on Sunday mornings when I'm working out and like, I, I just like, oh, like I don't want to get out of bed. I'll take some pre-workout. Um, it's not something that I think is a smart idea before every workout because then I think you're just, you're going to expect to have a certain level of, of, of intensity with every workout that just isn't realistic. So I try and save it for the workouts that I, I need it from a energy perspective as opposed to reaching this heightened state for every workout. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. I I didn't take any pre-workout in high school, um, but I, now I remember like NO Explode oh, and yeah. there, there were a few floating <laughs> around the locker rooms, but I just didn't for whatever reason uh, get into it at that point. Um, I take pre-workout or have an energy drink or have a cup of coffee for most workouts these days. Um, and, and it really just boils down to one, what time of day am I training Two, how much caffeine have I had so far that day or plan on having And three, how much caffeine is in what I'm about to consume. So I just think of, of pre-workout for the, for the most part, there are, there are a few ingredients that are are probably marginally or are marginally beneficial, mostly for muscular endurance, but caffeine is the main one. And whether I'm getting that from coffee or, or something else, it doesn't like, it's not better or worse for me. I kind of like the variety. Um, actually I had a, a theory that anytime I was in a surplus, I was going to not use caffeine before lifts just because, you know, if you're properly hydrated, you got enough carbs in your system, you shouldn't need it. And then if and when I was cutting, then it would like, I would really benefit from it. It would offset, it would kind of like, like even out the life enjoyment, right? Like you bring calories down, but if you're having pre-workout and, and having great workouts as a result, it would be extremely, mostly psychologically beneficial for fat loss phases. But for whatever reason, I just, just couldn't stick with it. Do you remember the first ever time you had a protein shake? Yeah. M muscle milk in high school in the Jefferson, <laughs> Bloomington Jefferson High School locker room. I was probably 16 or 17 years old and the muscle milk powder had 34 protein, 17 fat and like 22 <laughs> carb <laughs> in a serving. And it was D delicious my friend bear moan would get a few two percent milks from lunch and oh, pour man. them in a, in a blender bottle and shake them up for us chocolate or chocolate mint like unbelievable yeah the the muscle milk back then was 
it was so good. But that wasn't the first one I had. The first one I had was at Justin Gibbs' house uh, after wrestling practice one day. And he had this designer whey protein, which was, to my knowledge, the worst tasting protein ever made. <laughs> and it was put in such an oversized bin of a container. Like it looked like it, it could fit like an entire city blocks worth of trash. Like it was just huge. <laughs> and he put it on his counter and he was like, all right, we're going to have some protein. And it was strawberry flavor. And I was like, what does this do? And he was like, this is going to help you build muscle. And I was like, oh, amazing. And so I had some and I like almost threw up and I choked it down. And I was like, can I have some for later? He's like, yeah, I'll put it in a bag. So he put like this powder in a baggie <laughs> and I brought it home and my mom got so mad. She was like, what? is this? And I was like, mom, it's protein. And she called Justin's mom to be like, what is this? Like, why, <laughs> why does he have these steroids in his she was pocket? Worried. Oh, she thought it was steroids. Yeah. And I had, mom, it's protein. And then Mrs. Gibbs had to tell my mom that like, it's not steroids. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and she still didn't like it. It was still a long discussion that like probably for many months, my mom continued to think that it was unsafe and, and there dangerous. was something bad. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's cautious parenting. Good, good attentive <laughs> parent. I like that. I, I actually come to think of it in seventh and eighth grade, um, maybe even sixth grade, my my mom bought like a soy protein powder that she would sneak into my chocolate milkshakes at night because checking had recently been introduced in hockey, like up to a certain age, you know, there's some contact, but it's illegal to just rail someone. And then past, well, I think it was maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe you can start hitting. And uh, once that was introduced, she wanted me to like, add some real size. So I was getting these soy protein <laughs> chocolate ice cream milkshakes every night before bed. <laughs> Did you put on a lot of weight? No. I, I mean, may, maybe a little bit of body fat, but no, I didn't like, didn't work. That's funny. Yeah. Her heart was in the right place though. Moms are great. Uh, I have one more that, that brings us back to a slightly more normal note unless you have anything else to say on the subject of pre-workouts. I actually do. Monitor total <laughs> caffeine intake and the time of day you're ingesting it because it's going to matter. I've had a couple of really type A, real like go-getter type clients. Um, you know, whatever they do, they dominate that thing. And I'm thinking of two specifically. One, Aaron, who listens to this podcast, I believe, and, uh, and another guy by the name of Tyler who – were consuming unbelievable amounts of caffeine without ever consciously tracking it. So if you start paying attention to how many milligrams of caffeine you're having per day, uh, 400 is kind of the the tip top max um, recommendation for heart health. You're probably going to see benefits from consuming less than that. And if you can keep your caffeine reasonably low, then it's going to be more effective uh, primarily psychologically when you do choose to have it. But um, yeah, pay attention to how much caffeine is in your pre-workouts if you're having it and uh, and how much caffeine you're getting in a day, which isn't really the reason most people listen to this podcast, but it's a little bit of a PSA. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't take pre-workout late at night if you're going to work out at night. That's probably not the best idea. But if you're working out earlier in the day, go for it. That's what led me to that. 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. sleep schedule was having pre-workout <laughs> at 10 p.m. <laughs> uh, last question here. What's your best response to a client that can't seem to make time for themselves? It's a good question. Um, you know, I hate busting this one out, but it's true. It, to start off, it does depend, right? It does depend on the client and what's going on. Um, because some people will use that as an excuse to sort of, they'll say that when they're really being lazy. Um, the vast majority of of people who are actually being truthful with this that I've seen are parents. Um, the, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know, but being the son of a single mom and also working with many, many, many parents, both, both moms and dads, 
those are by far the busiest people I've ever met. It's like they legitimately have a difficult time making time for themselves because they're prioritizing their kids so much. And I think it's a, what I would say is this, if you have a client, someone who's already working with you, they already understand the benefits of exercise. They understand the benefits of prioritizing themselves. Um, it, it would be a different conversation for someone who you're not working with or who maybe they follow you on social media, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet. It's like, if we're looking at the stages of change, which if you haven't yet, I encourage everyone to study the trans theoretical model of behavior change. Look at, look at the stages of change. If someone has already hired you to, to be their coach, you don't, they don't need you to preach to them about, well, it's going to be so beneficial if you can do this. It's like, they're going to be like, I know, I know, but I've got kids shut up. Like I'm prioritizing my kids. So you don't need to tell them over and over again what the benefits are. It's your job as the coach to try and come up with a strategy that will help them fit it in uh, without taking up too much time. So oftentimes I've seen coaches struggling with this and they're programming like four times a week workouts that are 75 minutes each. I'm like, that's not the client's fault. That's your fault. Like you're screwing up as the coach. Like you maybe try workouts that are three to four times a week in 20 minutes. Like that's, that's great. That's way better. Having them do four times a week that are for 20 minutes is way better than programming four times a week for 75 minutes and having them do none of it. It's like, again, and this sort of goes back to the question where it's like, well, what about being super fit? It's like our clients don't need to be super fit. Our goal, they need to be healthy. They need to be moving. They need to be be exercising. They need to be looking at their nutrition and doing their best to improve it. They don't need to be super fit. They just need to be healthy. So, and oftentimes if you just get them to do something for five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, they'll find the ability to prioritize maybe 30 or 45 minutes as a result of it. But if you start them off with 75 minutes or 60 minutes, they can't do it, then it, that might be too much to begin with. So it's your job as the coach to figure out a way to help them fit something smaller in so then they can progress to something maybe more in the long run or just stick with something smaller. And that's totally fine. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much, everyone who listened to this entire episode. If you're feeling generous and want to leave a review, we would love a five-star review. Uh, we hope you have a great day, a great night great week, a great weekend whenever you are listening to this, and we will see you next week. Have a wonderful week.